Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Really? That's that's the title we're going to go with, huh? I thought we said that was probably going to get me locked up. Oh, that's why we went with the title. All right, cue the language warning. The following podcast contains... Hey, so dirty. It's no wonder no one listens to your show, David. It's awful. It's awful. So much cursing and the Schwanz jokes. No one wants to hear that. Shaggy Green never needed to work blue. Neither do you. People will like you for you. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you thought the government was trying to overthrow itself, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, February 3rd, 2016, Be the Coup You Want to See edition of the show, where we talk about overthrowing the lawfully elected government of the United States. All you federal agents, stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Murray's Mercenaries. When you've got a war and nobody came, Murray will be there. Do you need a reliable fighting force fast? Murray's Mercenaries is your one-stop shop for all paramilitary needs. Coup, counter-coup, revolution, police action, intervention or occupation, our troops are ready to get her done. From Azerbaijan to Zimbabwe, from the Red Sea to the Yellows, Murray's mercenaries are ready to drop a fully armed and trained military force within 24 hours anywhere in the world. Ask about our strongman special. Purses our ready force package and get our death trooper squad free. Murray's, when you absolutely, positively have to overthrow them overnight, think Murray's. Not unless Oswald was hanging by his toes upside down from the ledge. Either that or some pigeons grabbed onto him, flew him over the motorcade. Surely someone would have seen that. You know, there was rumors of anti-Castro pigeons seen drinking in bars. Someone overheard them saying, coo, coo. So many terrible things happened this week in Trumpistan that no one podcast could hope to cover them all. Which is why I'm proud to announce we're spinning off two new shows. The first, Jesus God, what the fuck is happening here? And its sister show, We're All Gonna Die, So Why Even Bother? They'll be premiering soon right here on the Fast Daddy's Podcast Hut Podcast Network. I would rather listen to Fran Drescher for eight hours. You totally would, because Gavin's hosting them both. So instead of trying to catalog the horror and disgust that's kept me hunched over the toilet vomiting my soul into its icy porcelain basin, I want to try and narrow down to a single issue and talk about it in detail. Mostly to explain how it's entirely wrong. You see, a fellow by the name of Jonathan Zunger, a theoretical physicist and engineer over at the Google machine, published an article on Medium last Monday called Trial Balloon for a Coup. Zunger posits the huge wave of incompetent and vile orders spewing from the White House like pus from a massive pimple was designed to test the waters for a coup d'etat. I don't like the sound of that. 
His theory is that Steve Bannon and the boys from Brazil Bart are enacting a slow-moving, careful plan to seize control of the government and enact a totalitarian white nationalist regime. And all of that sounds pretty fucking scary, right? But if a coup is a sudden, violent, and illegal seizure of power from the government, which is exactly what it is, who exactly would the administration be seizing power from? Themselves? Trump and the GOP control the executive, legislative, and shortly the judicial branches of the government. They dominate the governor's mansions and state houses of 32 of 50 states. Congress is a whipped dog hiding under the couch. There's no effective governmental check on their power. So why the fuck would they bother to stage a coup when they already control the government? I mean, this is like the CEO of a privately held company staging a hostile takeover of himself. That's ridiculous. Zunger's argument is a tad more nuanced than what I just said, but... Not by much. So, okay, let me just Godwin the show right here in the history portion so we can get it out of our way and put it behind us. I love this part. Most exciting part. (laughs) Since most people's understanding of history stops and starts with Hitler, since that's all they show on the History Channel, let's just go ahead and use him. Who, by the way, did not stage a coup to achieve power when he tried that and he went to jail. He was elected, just like other notable fascists, like Mussolini and Trump. In 1930, the Nazi party swept a series of elections in Bavaria, a very rural and conservative portion of Germany. And they gained significant powers in those localities and the largest but not the majority number of seats in the Reichstag. In the federal elections of 1932, the the, the Nazis were able to gain even more seats in the Reichstag, but still not a majority. And the alliance between the centrist parties and the leftist parties bickered with one another and failed to form a coalition government, so the Nazis were able to force Hitler into the position of chancellor with Hindenburg as a figurehead president. At this point... Hitler had nowhere near the kind of unilateral power our actual president enjoys lawfully and electorally at this moment. And it would have made Hitler's job so much easier if he had a pliant legislative and judiciary rather than just the incompetent body which he was blessed with. There are some parallels. All right, I grant you. What I'm trying to say is our government right now makes Hitler's position in 32 seem like the vice treasurer of a moose lodge by comparison. Trump doesn't need a coup. He's already in total control of the government. It sounds like it's the opposite of normal. Why are you telling me about this thing? Well, because what Hitler did have and Trump does not is a docile, demoralized, and defeated citizenry beaten down by an incredibly awful war, an incredibly awful economic depression, and a centuries-long culture of compliance. Germany, in 1932, was only 20 years out of a very autocratic monarchy. The Weimar government never had time to create democratic institutions or traditions, and the people of the Reich were used to doing exactly as they were told. They wanted a strong man to show up and just fix that shit. Whatever these here United States may or may not be, we're not demoralized, docile, and defeated. Because, hey, the wars that we have had, they've been long, they've been terrible, but so few of us fought in them that we barely even knew they were going on. And I know the Trump and Fuhrer wants to paint it black and make his sweet, simple-minded followers believe this fucking American carnage bullshit in their nice homes, two-car garage with their plasma televisions showing the Super Bowl this weekend on a screen bigger than my (laughs) ex-wife. 
<laughs> I've never even been married. But uh, really, all you got to do is walk to your window and look outside and you'll see that that's bullshit. I mean, even in downtown Detroit, shit is not nearly as bad as Germany in 1932. I mean, those poor fuckers were in black and white. That's how bleak things were. And we talked a little bit last week in the spittle-flecked rage that was that episode about the Women's March and the millions of nasty women who took to the street around the world to protest the orange menace, the sea of pink pussy hats washing against the shores of the White House. If Adolf had looked out his window and saw all that pink marching against him, he would have lost his goddamn mind. Because again, everyone existed only in black and white, and he'd never seen the color pink before. I think you uh, correctly misunderstood. An autocrat's toolbox is limited in the face of that kind of protest. If you've got a few hundred angry people blocking traffic, they're just malcontents and paid protesters. When you got half a million people in knitted pink vagina hats all mocking you like the bully who just got his dick caught in a pencil sharpener, that's a fucking movement. And movements are dangerous to dictators. Last weekend, when the Muslim ban hit the fan and spun hunts of shit into the room... Thousands of people around the country, and not just in the libtard pinko capitals of like New York and Los Angeles, Dallas, Birmingham. There were thousands of people in Birmingham, Alabama at the airport who dropped what they were doing on a Sunday and went to their airports. There's a joke on Twitter that Trump made New Yorkers go to JFK when they didn't need to, and that is not a joke because going to JFK is slightly easier than getting to the moon, but only because you don't need to wear a space suit. This didn't happen because organizers spent weeks making it happen. It happened because normal people were watching in disgust our government detaining lawful immigrants, many of whom had lived in this country for years, and turned them away from their homes and said, Fuck that shit! and went to the airport to protest. Again, peacefully, I have to add, here in New York City, the taxi drivers union stopped picking up in JFK, and if you don't have to take a taxi from JFK, you're looking at about an hour on the train as the best case scenario to get back to any place you actually want to be in New York City. There's a reason why the taxi drivers union protested and stood in solidarity, and if you've ever been in a taxi in New York City, you'll know why. And when Uber tried to play a little chicanery to pick up the slack and made a little cash, people again said, I mean, seriously, fuck that guy. And started deleting their Uber apps from their phones left and right. When you've got spoiled, upper-middle-class white people deleting their Uber, and white people love their Uber like a fat 10-year-old me-loved motherfucking chocolate cake, you've got yourself a serious fiscal shitstorm going on. The American Civil Liberties Union took in an average of $4 million a year in donations over the past few years. In the 48 hours between the announcement of the ban on Friday and Monday morning, they took in $24 million in donations. Holy shit snacks! Americans reached into their wallets and made it motherfucking rain on the ACLU like a naked stripper in a hotel bed because the tangerine-tinted totalitarian decided to un-America America because his shit-headed orange shirts are scared of Muslims inflicting sangria law on their hometowns. Actually, when I think about it, sangria law would be pretty fucking awesome. And then, 
acting Eternal Attorney General Sally Yates, who apparently must have read the Constitution somewhere along the line, told the Justice Department that Trump's little order was the kind of thing that we as Americans are supposed to be fighting against rather than for. And she wasn't even going to look at the 27 8x10 color glossy pictures with the circles and the arrows on the back of each one explaining what each one was to be used as evidence against the Muslims. Trump, in a fit of fury, decided that this was just another case of American blind justice and fired Sally Yates. And you might think that that's a defeat... But oh, you would be wrong, because Sally Yates went from a competent, if obscure figure to a goddamn American fucking hero overnight. If the Trumpinistas were at all fucking competent, they they would have waited a day or two until Jeff Sessions was anointed by the sacred oils and donned the white hood of Southern justice and became Attorney General of Apartheid. But no, Donnie had to throw a hissy fit, trumped out a tweet out of his ass, and fired Yates and made everyone take notice. Honestly, if these morons are the evil fucking geniuses that are supposed to be staging a coup, they need to get the evil League of Evil on the line and get themselves some new villains. The evil League of Evil is watching, so beware. The brain that you receive will be your last, we swear. So make the bad horse gleeful or he'll make you his mare. You're saddled up, there's no recourse. It's Hyo Silver, side bad horse. And this is even mentioning the 900 State Department employees who signed off on a letter saying politely that Donnie's definitely not a Muslim ban. Muslim ban was, respectfully, the dumbest fucking turd that had ever dropped from a presidential asshole, with all due respect. Is a pig's ass pork? I'm sorry, did you want to hear what I think or just what you want to hear? <sighs> he asked pretty sarcastically. I do not want to give false impressions by saying shit is good. In fact, things are as bad right now as they've been in America in definitely the past 50 years. But there's something out there. A wind is rising, and it's blowing in a new direction. Let me put it this way. There's this line in Tolkien where Gandalf says, A thing is about to happen that has not happened since the older days. The Ents are going to wake up and find that they are strong. Well, right now, a thing is happening that has not happened since at least the 60s, The people are waking up, and they're finding out they're strong. I'm not talking about the patchouli-scented dreadlock activists of the professional left who've been protesting nukes and saving whales for two generations, nor do I mean the righteous, indignant Black Lives Matter activists who've been standing up against tyranny and who have every right to be saying, what the fuck is going on? You're just now noticing an injustice? And I'm not even talking about the left-leaning coastal elite with a coexist sticker on the bumper of their Volvo. I'm talking about an average American, the content, white, middle-class, largely women, who tutted and tuned out for years because their lives were perfectly and pleasantly dull, who could afford to ignore politics because, eh, both sides are the same anyway. Trump lost the vote by three million people. Three million average, run-of-the-mill, Democrat and or independent voters who probably didn't love Hillary that much but loathed Trump and made their choice clear on the ballot. He won because 77,000 people in the right places decided the election. And I've been in orgies with higher turnouts. Although, admittedly, that was in the 80s and it was a different time. I don't think I'll ever get that image out of my head. People are looking at these numbers and asking the obvious question, What the fuck? Every outrage, every stupidity, every bungled rollout by the White House only adds to the number of people who look on in shock, horror, disgust, and then finally, righteous anger. 
as the GOP is about to find out there are only two tragedies in life. One is not getting what you want, and the other is getting it. Oscar Wilde said that, and then he went to jail. And the GOP is about to learn, right before hopefully they go to jail, that as they trot out their agenda of systemically fucking the middle class and the poor in favor of the rich, they can no longer point at the Democrats and the President Obama and blame them. They have to own their own fuck-ups now. Or, as Representative Eric Brad is learning, the left has learned from the right, and it's now about to shove their tactics right up in his grill. There's a document out there called Indivisible, The Practical Guide to Resisting Trump. There's a link to it in the show notes. You go read it. You go read it right fucking now. And it details exactly how to get up in your politicians' grills about the issues you care about. Big or small, right there in your hometown. You don't need to put on, put on a pink pussy hat and march in Washington to be strong. You can do it right there in your own hometown in your spare time with or without a pink pussy hat. That's a funny thing about the GOP. Women scare the shit out of them. Perhaps it's because their mothers didn't love them enough, or perhaps they love their mothers too much, and in a sort of edible kind of way. Just asking question here, not making any accusations. And when there are no women around, they love to pass laws that oppress and silence women. But when they're right there in the room with the nasty women, somehow they become the little hairless ball prepubescent twits that they truly are on the inside. We're going to lose some over the next year. That's a guarantee. I mean, the Supreme Court is going to get a Scalia to replace dead Scalia. Trump is going to fuck with immigration and refugees. The GOP is going to fuck up health care. Voting rights are going to come under attack. Roe's going to be hit and hit hard. Things are going to fucking suck for at least the next year. But starting late this year and going into early next, the midterm elections begin. So instead of hiding in a corner and tearing your clothes and weeping over what has happened, get fucking mad. Get out on the streets. Sure, do that. But more importantly, get into your local diner, Elk Lodge, high school gym, where the fuck your Congress critter is running these days. And if he's, if he's there, you ask him hard questions. You push back hard. You remind him, and it's always a him, that you're there. You vote, and you're not alone. And if he's not there, if you can't find him, run your goddamn self. Do not fucking let these bastards run unopposed. You might not win, but you fucking hurt them. You spend their money, and you scare the shit out of them. Because we're not Germany in 1932. We're not a people broken by war and economic despair. We have strong civic institutions, freedom of speech and assembly. And tearing the work of centuries down does not happen overnight. Bannon and his boys are a minority, a small minority. Any nation that can pump $24 million into the ACLU in two days can push back against Edelson's and Cokes. We can neuter Ryan and the McConnells and discombobulate the Orange Emperor every goddamn day of the week. Our goal is to see the hair from Sean Spicer's head physically fall to the podium during his press conference. If the White House wants a coup, then we goddamn well give them one. Let's show them how the people take back their government. One voice, 
one vote at the time. How the people's voice will not be silenced out of fear or worse, apathy. This government is an accident, a tragic mistake with terrible consequences for millions, but it shall not endure. If Bannon is launching a trial balloon, we fucking launch a blimp in return. Let them be afraid of us. Let them worry about what we are going to do. Let them fear us taking back power. That lawfully belongs to the people of the United States and not a handful of neo-Nazis and kleptocrats that snuck in the back door. Gandhi said, be the change you want to see? Fuck that. Let us be the coup they fear. The one that does not take up arms, but dons pink knitted hats that vaguely resemble a woman's genitals. They can only win if we let them. Our coup will be peaceful. It may not be bloodless. At some point in time, someone will do something stupid on one side or the other. But if we don't lose hope, if we remember that Dr. King said the arc of history bends towards progress, but sometimes a bunch of pissed off nasty women and bad hombres have to get out there with a hammer and smack that shit in the right place to get it bending... I'm not sure if Dr. King said that part. I think that might have actually been Billie Jean King. No matter what, in the end, if we keep up hope, if we keep calm and keep struggling, we will overthrow the Trump government, not by force of arms, but by force of will. Because it's not their country, it's ours, it's all ours, and we will make it great again for all Americans, not just a few pissed off white ones. And I don't want us to pretend that this will be easy or that good people will not suffer. We're going to lose battles, but we cannot lose hope nothing is over until we decide it is was it over when the germans bombed pearl harbor hell no german forget it he's rolling the nazis came their train was 70 years late but here they are and it's time to stand up and punch those motherfuckers right in their stupid fucking head and in the meantime keep up the good fight but take some time off from the drama to clear your head. Read a book with dragons on the cover. Watch a show where a venal guy chooses between a bunch of shallow chicks who for some reason want to go out with him or marry him. Hug your kids or your spouse or your pets or your lovely green bottle of whiskey like I do. Fight the good fight, but take a break when you need one. We only want Sean Spicer to be a broken, beaten, bald man at the end of the Trump term, not the rest of us. Stay strong, and remember, in the worst-case scenario... It's 1,457 days and a wake up. <laughs> that is it for our show this week. I wanted to do a show that wasn't so fucking bleak this time around because we've suffered enough, really. Plus, it gives me an excuse to close the show with a Mary Tyler Moore theme song. I know I'm a dude, but I've loved this show as a kid and I love it today. I remember telling my mom that I wanted to marry Mary Richards. And I still do. So if there's a plucky journalist out there that don't need no man to make her life complete, but would like to hang out and maybe have sex with a low-rated podcaster, call me. If you would like to know more about my plans to wed the most amazing television reporter in all of Minneapolis, the best in America, follow the show on Twitter at the hell underscore podcast or the show name on Facebook. Please rate and review the show on iTunes so other people can hear more of my obsession with 70s television shows. And that's basically just about every show I've ever done. They're all located at www.whatthehellpodcast.com or the show name on SoundCloud. For me, Dave Bledsoe, producer Gavin, who at best is a Ted Baxter to my Lou Grant. 
Another great show. You should watch that, by the way. And all the other fictional Rotas on this show, you want to say, who can turn the world on with her smile? Who can take a nothing day and suddenly make it all seem worthwhile? Well, it's you girls, and you should know it. With every little glance and movement, you show it. How can you be sad because you've heard this song? And you know what? We're going to make it after all. See you all next week. Kings. Podcasts.